From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about In Paradox. It's a 2019 film available on Netflix and it's basically about a dude that has been relentlessly attacked and he seeks to uncover a mystery and stop some unknown memories that kind of are appearing before him. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, but yes. this is your your spoiler warning. It is. Just in case you haven't seen this film, we're going to talk all about it. So sure before are. we do, go back and watch it and then tune in and find out what was good and what was great. Sounds like a great plan. So what was your number one takeaway, sorry, of In Paradox? My number one takeaway is there's some fabulous lighting available in Q8 <laughs> and also some terrible lighting. Okay, okay. Uh, there's other elaborate, please. Another takeaway is that you can you can really have some real psychological issues at times, and perhaps it's best to uh, work your way through it with a therapist rather than just winging it, wandering the scary streets of Iran or whatever that he was wandering through yeah, for his I, father's lost house from the old something days, something like that. Yeah. So but. this this movie was a Kuwaiti movie uh, mm. by Hamad Al Saraf. Yes. As his debut uh, as a director writer for a feature length. Good on ya! Get out there, make your film. He's credited with one short before this called Victor, which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. However, it did uh, did okay at some film festivals, and this movie here was was quite um, a crowd pleaser at the Morocco Arab Film Festival or something. Yeah, and I believe, according to IMDb, it was shot in Iran, but it is a Kuwaiti um, film, and it was released the 7th of November 2019 in Kuwait. And you're right, it did some festivals, yeah. got some success, had some... I wonder if they were on the that highway. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Could Maybe. Have been. I did love the locations in this. I reckon the locations were really cool. Like yeah. you, we don't, you know, you don't see these locations in Western films. What I liked was at the start that house. It was all like, I almost thought maybe it was filmed in Australia or South yeah. Africa or yeah. someplace like a, like maybe up north there where New, New South Wales and Queensland are meeting. Mm. Because the yeah, there's a lot of trees and things. They weren't the brilliant, vibrant greens you get in Europe. Yep, uh, and even in America. Uh, and if you're living in Europe and America listening, you're probably going, what is it on earth is he talking about? <laughs> An easy way to do that is go check out Google Maps and zoom into Canberra. Yeah. People live there. No, it's not a desert. <laughs> and then go have a look at County Cork in Ireland and zoom in and have a look at that. And you'll see the difference between uh, Australia in summer and Ireland in summer. All and, the green. Yes. We don't get here, really. We don't. We don't get. <laughs> we sort of get like a bluish, grayish color, and 
the uh, I, I, I guess it was Iran, uh, yep. Iranian countryside was a little bit greener, but still quite reminiscent of that sort of um, nature. It, it, it was quite, it was quite nice. It's very different to what you normally see when people show, you know, scenes in the Middle East where they tend yeah. to show the deserts and the villages and the towns and cities and things. Yeah. And there's probably, when you think about like his home at, at the start and then at the end versus him going into the ancient city, kind of looking for the home and stuff, trying to figure out what's going on, that was more, you know, brown and dirty and dusty and yeah, sandy. Yeah, there was more and, classic yeah, what, washed out. Yeah. Sandstone, limestone yeah, look, sort of look, you know, yeah. whereas and maybe the yeah, you know, it's a good symbolic look there, isn't there? Because mm-hmm. that, because of what the story, what happens in the story. So, yeah, I good on um, Hamad Al Saraf. I mean, look, it's on Netflix, so come on, they don't accept everything. So you know, it's good. Hopefully, he gets a bit of royalties, a bit of money back, and makes his next film that we can. Well, it'd be good. It's, it's quite an imaginative film and quite ambitious. I think. Yeah. It's, it's really pushing hard for the. Uh, sort of Fight Club, the Memento, the um, what's that? The, the what's that one with the the murderers and it's all just the different. Is it Seven Psychopaths or is it? Oh, I can't remember. So it's like it's like seven characters trapped in a motel and they believe one of them's a murderer. Oh, yeah. And like it's like a closed room murder scenario, but then yeah. you find at the end actually it's this dude who's undergoing some therapy and he's got seven personalities. Well, you might have just ruined that for anyone out yeah, there. Yeah, I just I can't remember what the name of the film is now, but it. But you've it, just given away the plot. It's the what a what a twist. What a twist! Yes, it was it was during that time. Same with Sixth Sense. You know, the beginning yeah. of the two thousands when every movie had to have, have that. the twist. Yes, <laughs> so it's quite good. So tell me though, um, this might be a bit trickier than our usual fare. Is this hope, yeah. warning, or experiment? That's a really good question for this one, isn't it? Um, I think that this one would be an experiment, I reckon, because it's sort of the experiment of your mind. And I, I, that's what I feel. I feel like it's kind of questioning. It, it was funny because the opening, you know, you remember the opening of this film, he says, um, have you ever had, have you experienced memories that aren't yours? And it's just interesting because my little short film, the memory is kind of based on that concept too. Sorry, just dropping it in there for those out there, out there that haven't seen it yet. But um, I, I was straight away, that grabbed me because I'd just been thinking all about this in terms of my own short film and, and that concept, that idea. I love that idea of, you know, like, can you trust your own memories, you know? And, and I do like, you mentioned Memento. Like, Memento is one of my favourite kind of films of that uh, nature where it's like, you know, a guy with a five-minute memory and... He can't make new memories, and so he's just sort of living this nightmare over and over. Um, but it brings up all of those sort of feeling, those, those sorry, those concepts of perception and memory and trust in yourself. And that's what this film does, because again, he's like going on this journey, and he's really going to try to like trust his his own way of thinking about it. So I think it is a bit of an experiment because it's kind of like the experiment of our brain and our memory and our mind and the way we interpret things and how we can convince ourselves that something is right yeah i don't think it'd be the warning because we don't have a uh moving into areas we shouldn't no. with dire consequences and we don't hope is not one where we're we're seeing humanity overcome no. some sort of intervention here no. so i would agree experiment we're seeing a bit of an experiment there what 
what it looks like or what it might be inside someone's head. Yeah, dealing with a major trauma moment, I think, or, or dealing with trauma and then how your brain works through that, yeah. you know, um, which is the same as Memento, you know, like he, um, Guy Pierce's character in that has that trauma and tells himself a story and just keeps telling, and that's the story that's locked in his brain, you know, and he just kind of keeps trying to make that story real. <laughs> I love Memento. It's really good. And a lot of people hate it. But if you're out there and you see in Paradox and you're listening to us right now, let us know what you thought about, was it hopeful or was it a hope story? Was it a warning or was it an experiment like I think it is? Or do you think, is it just the way you remember? That's right. So are you doing it yourself? So, uh, am I engaged actively in sci-fi? I've just finished watching a sci-fi series, series right. season six of The 100. Oh, yes. Don't tell me anything because I've just started it. It's, it's a surprising uh, story. Mm. If anyone hasn't seen it, a lot of people get turned off by the fact when they start watching it, it looks like a teen drama. Yeah, and it does. There's times when Which the it, teen drama is there, but there's also a lot of really, really I good think, stuff in it. I think there was sort of maybe episode three where I was, I was watching it kind of, oh, this is, this is an entertaining way yeah. to pass the time. And then uh, I, I think it was episode three. Uh, I won't spoil any of it, but this event happened. It builds up, builds up, and it just does not go the way you're expecting it. Mm. It just it goes the cool way, yeah, <laughs> the way that you you always wish, but kind of hope they don't, but they do. And I went, ah, oh, okay, I have to watch this now. Yeah. And so then I I went back to episode one and, and got my wife along. So I said, no, no, because and she started watching it with that same thing going, okay, because it's like a, a bunch of beautiful teenagers, teenagers. <laughs> turn up on uh, the planet Earth, and now they're gonna romp in the river and they got to repopulate yeah they're gonna repo- yeah like it's sort of like uh okay and then yeah likewise we got to that point the same point i did i think it was episode three could be two yeah i don't know and then she was just like oh they didn't just do that did they we've got to find out what happens next yeah and successfully they, this movie this series it goes on and the, the nice thing is that it has some sort of teen dramery type elements to it here and there yeah but it's punctuated by some really good science fiction, like some yeah. solid science fiction there about uh, post-apocalyptic existence, yeah. about artificial intelligences yes. and virtual worlds, yeah. which you're not expecting. Um, about uh, like artificial intelligence that's kind of, you know, taken over the responsibility that humans couldn't do. Yeah, and, and, then, and then there's even... Then um, the outcomes of that. Space travel yeah. and, you know, cryogenic sleep. Yep. Issues and then uh, season six, which you haven't seen. I've just actually like I've watched first two episodes or something. Okay. So yeah, I'm just just on that roll. And that starts introducing some new sci-fi yeah. elements, which likewise are, just, are almost sort of out of left field. But that introduces nicely, leading to season seven, which is already playing. Yeah, right. Not on Netflix. So no, be, yeah, it's available on something else. I'm going to be getting a hold of that as soon as I can. Yeah. Because season seven's the last season, right. so it wraps the whole story up. Which I can see. I think I've got. I can see the opportunity they're taking. Yep. With the way season six ends, that they can draw this nice sort of loop back and and give us a resolution one way or another. And then there's going to be a. They're trying to get a spin-off going of a prequel, back uh, the original wars that sent. So the one hundred starts with a colony of people in orbit around Earth. 
and they send down 100 people to the earth. Yep. And so the prequel is about the the war and troubles which caused this colony in space to yeah. be formed. Yeah, right. Cool. And and yeah, so so that's quite good. One, one thing I like in it as well, um, which you just didn't touch on then, is kind of because it is about this post-dystopian um, worlds, you know, which is always cool, but it's like they've in the 100, they've made them very... Like when you had that scenario of the 100, sending the 100 good-looking teenagers back to Earth, the people that had lived on Earth, like they'd, they'd created these little microcosm cultures, you know, mm. that, and, then, and because it's like TV series that goes on and now we are up to season six, um, you really got to sort of those cultures were explored, you know, and the, the show itself, without spoiling anything, has a couple of time shifts where, you know, it goes forward five or seven years or something. Um, and I like, I really liked that because it's kind of, it enables those cultures to grow and, sign- you know, significantly change a bit, you know, the people mm. to change. And so that's always a really cool thing when in TV shows, I think, that are successful, they they can explore those narratives further, can't they? A little oh, yeah. bit like a book can, like a book can do that, you know? I mean, it's season six is after some like space travel. Yeah, for a couple of which, years. Yeah, yeah, for a hundred. Which yeah. so because they started in space. Yeah. And they went back and forward to space a couple of times yeah. to, to various things. But then season six, um significantly sort of there's some space action there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's it's that's what I really like about it is it it's not just a drama mm. or an action show. There there's there is significant and important science fiction details where the stories would not be able to happen and the character development wouldn't happen without the science fiction elements. Mm. Like if you took those science fiction elements away, you would struggle. You'd you'd be really reaching for metaphors. Yeah. And stretching <laughs> those metaphors pretty thin in order to try and <clears throat> simulate those situations. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, so that's something pretty good. Uh, I mean otherwise creative wise I'm I'm still slogging away this this short story which is now becoming a novella. <laughs> Sorry to say. I have trouble with short stories, it seems. And um, uh, I am looking at doing some more sound recording. So, uh, so audio books. Yep. Having a, going back to having a crack at that. Right. Cool. Harder to be an audiobook narrator. So if there's any audiobook narrators out there, yes, rest assured, I have some knowledge now that it is more difficult than simply reading a book. Yes. <laughs> The number of times you slur words or just say the wrong word when you read yeah. it out loud, it's kind of frightening. It is. That perception idea, I think. Yes, yes. The also, rea- you, what is reality? Your voice starts wearing out. Yeah, yeah. By the end of the chapter, you're sort of not as fresh as you might like. No. <laughs> and yourself. So we heard a bit about the memory. Yeah, yeah. That, that's gone out. I've entered that in its first festival, which is really cool. It's really exciting. Um, so hopefully that gets selected. That's a local one, Cinefest. Um, and I'll be looking just into a strategy of some festivals over the next 12 months before then it can just go online. And it's really then on to the next project, really. So just in the writing process of that now. Um, so I've already, there's a couple of short film ideas that are going to be quite different to the memory um, that, yeah, just developing them right now. Are you going to get any ad sponsors? You do some product placement? No. The Batman. Oh, geez. What, what movie was I watching the other day? <laughs> it was all 
ad sponsors. Well, like Back to the Future is always a really good example of ad. They like even play off those ads, don't they? The, the Pepsi ad and stuff and Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember. I was, I was watching a movie the other night with, with uh, my wife and the number of times this person looked at their watch <laughs> and it was a clear you know, yeah. brand name on it and then they got their car keys out, flipped, and there's like, and they looked at it from, for some reason, they'll keep looking at things. Mm. And there's like the emblem. Yeah. And then they open the door and then the car rolls off smooth as silk, you know. And uh, and they got a drink at the bar and, the, you know, like the bottle comes over and held. It has to be a Jax or something. Held like carefully literally. positioned. Yeah. And it's just, it got a little bit painful at how, how obvious it was, even though it wasn't a comedy without trying to do it. Yeah. No, that's right. Here at Space Brains, we get paid nothing. Well, I get paid nothing. And so we need that, you know, sponsors. We don't, we're not taking the sponsors at the moment, are we? Sorry. We're no, we? We'd take them. But we're, we <laughs> could be influenced. Is I Steven could be Spielberg influenced. wants to pay to be on to, to promote yeah. his movies? Yeah. He's, he's certainly welcome. Definitely. There you go. Okay, so back to the film. Yes, we should get into In Paradox. So we'll talk a bit about the plot. Um, so as you mentioned, it is written and directed by Hamad Al-Sarif, I'd say. Yes. Correct us, Hamad. Tell us that we're wrong. Feel free to, to get in here. Yep. Um, and look, there's a bunch of actors that when you look into them on IMDb and stuff, I don't think they've done anything majorly. Yeah, there's some TV shows, yeah, uh, one or two movies here and, here and there. Yeah, so, so they're all... Excuse me, they're all actors and they've been acting obviously in a long time, but maybe just not recognisable, you know, coming out of Kuwait. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good to see them all getting into this. This is uh, Hamad's first feature mm-hmm. and, you know, new actors coming to this first feature. It's, it's good to see. Yes, definitely. Some of them did a couple of really good um, scenes in there, which we'll, I'm sure we'll hit on as we go through. Yeah. So, as we said before, we have this opening image, uh, the main character, middle-aged man, he's driving a car. Uh, and I really liked this because it's uh, we have that quote, have you experienced memories that aren't yours? And I was like, mm, okay, uh, you, you're getting me. This is my kind of thing. And uh, instantly he's driving. It's quite green and lush environment and it just flashes and he's in this sort of really open desert landscape, isn't he? Yeah, and, and he, he gets pretty confused. Yes, as you would. Um, and he sort of pulls the car over and it then just cuts back, doesn't it? Back in the forest. Yeah, he's in his uh, some house or other. He's like, yeah. he's either trying to sell the house or buy a house. I'm not sure what. Yeah. But he's he's talking on the phone um, about sort of things. Yes. And, and this masked man enters and they kind of have a bit of a rough and tumble. Bit of a, bit of a struggle. Which yeah. Struck me at the time. I was like, oh, that's a bit, is that common? Is that? Yeah. I mean, if I saw some dude walk in with a mask, he had a you know a scarf, scarf around his face, around yeah. his, his mouth, and it's like, is it, is that what bad guys wear? I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. It just sort of looked like a guy had, but I, I don't know. Mm. Coming, but that's kind of part of the things because we learn about him later on. But anyway, so he 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 actually the main character gets kind of knocked back and he lands back in the chair and I think he passed out by memory. Um, and he has this weird ass memory where there's voices echoing around, um, and he's like in this room with a large desk, I presume like an office kind of space. And he opens a drawer, and there's a watch, and there's a notebook, mm. and there's the ring of consciousness. 
Yeah, the notebook talks about this this ring that was made to have all of the power of everyone or mm. something like that. And it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like no, going, it's very confusing. Kind of peculiar. That's yes. very yeah, like Lord of the Ringsy type well, of that's thing. That's what it's, I thought. <laughs> uh, it it almost sort of sounded like the Ring of Power, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it would give him the power over something or other. And I just yeah, I was confused. Yeah, which but was fine. Like, you know, I think it, part of the movie, you know, you're only a few minutes in. I, okay. I got the feeling that this movie was going to continue to be confusing. Yes. <laughs> the whole uh, memories of your own type of thing. So, yeah, yeah he gets his, this book and then he's um, he, j- he jumps in his car and yep. drives off. There's not really much explanation about no, that. No, no. And he arrives at this other house. Um, I know there's a bit of a weird thing that he enters and it's it's a bit of an old, like you get the feeling that he's an old friend or something like that um, because they kind of greet it and the daughter goes yeah. off and, you know, she brings him back tea, I think. I think coffee. she brought tea or coffee, yeah. Um, and he's talking to the father, of, uh, sorry, he's talking to the friend and he passes him this letter that came from his father and the letter tells this friend um, he should actually tell him everything about them. Yeah, don't don't interfere don't with him interfere. finding it. Yeah, let him find it. But what does he do? He does the opposite, doesn't he? He tries he to tell him. He says, you don't really want to do it. No. It's very <laughs> difficult. It's not where it used to be. Things aren't the way you think they are. No. And you, but eventually he goes, okay, um, I, I, you might be able to do it, but it's a pretty dangerous part of the, the city. And the daughter, his cousin or her, his niece or whatever it is, the old yeah. man's niece, Says, oh no, look, I'm a journalist and I can get you in and uh, I'll be your cover. Yeah. They'll, they know me there. You know, and I walk around doing journalist stuff all the time. And he he sort of agrees reluctantly. He doesn't yeah. want to, you know, he's going, if it's dangerous, I'm not sure I want you getting involved. And uh, I was wondering if that was going to get a little bit sort of, you're just a woman y type thing. Yeah. It never went there. No, it never went there. Which was it, good. it was still just, quite honestly, and you're sort of going, dangerous. How, what do you mean by dangerous? Which we see later on is reasonable because, again, this is a Kuwaiti film and I don't, I'm not sure where this city was supposed to be set, uh, but it was somewhere in the Middle East. It's like those nondescript Western cities. Yes. Like um, The Matrix was set in, yes. which was filmed in Sydney, Sydney, but it wasn't set in Sydney. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, so, Just a big city, yeah. yeah. So it was the same here. They didn't give us the setting specifically. You know, obviously yeah. a big city. We cut from there to there's these two men and they're discussing they're discussing, sorry, this Yeah, Mr. Property. Saif. Saif. Yes. And um one's the mayor. The mayor. The mayor who yeah. says the government is gonna offer you double for half. Yeah. And Saif says, No, I'm gonna make uh no, I'm taking the whole lot. Yes. And basically what's going on is a good good old fashioned like power. Yeah, the government never offers this to anyone. No, we were just talking about the government offering some money right now to build. Which to me sort of sounded funny. It's like, I'm not sure how how frequently they offer it is an argument for me to accept it. (laughs) Surely the amount would be the... Anyway. Yeah, so he refuses. In fact, he pulls out a bit of blackmail. He does. He shows him a a black envelope and the mayor peeks and closes it and immediately opens up and signs. The document hands it over to the guy. I liked that because it was the way the power play was going was it seemed to be totally the mayor was in control. Yeah. But then all of a sudden that guy Yusuf was it Yusuf or Sif? 
So no, no, Saif. Saif. Yusuf sorry. was the police officer. That's right. Yeah, sorry. So he like suddenly flips it on him, doesn't it? And yeah. it was like, oh, okay, okay. There was a good little twist to the power play that was kind of, you know, normally we see in a lot of the American movies, you know, the mayor, you know, that, well, they're going to be the winner. Interesting, you know? I find the symbolism when you think back on this scene from the ending. And we can, we can tell you the ending because we've already given you the spoiler yep. warning. Spoiler, spoiler. So <laughs> these are, these are, this is his brain that's going on here. So this property is the brain or the mind, the personality. Mm. And the mayor says, oh, well, let's just, you know, Carve it up. Split it in half. And and see if later on he goes to say, you know, people say, you know, are nostalgic about the old ruins. Yes. But I say, I'm building new memories. Yeah. So then you sort of got this idea that basically the Saif character is the one that is trying to reconstruct the brain. New, Mm. fresh memories, forgetting dad and the past. And the mayor. Wants to hold on to. Mayor is, yeah, kind of. He's stuck in the past and he's he's a bit mean. But it's it's pretty cool. It is. Um, And we're told his father's house here is on a very special property. So I kind of just took note of that. In the old city. In the old city. Um, And, yeah, uh, you you already mentioned this, but, yeah, the the young woman, she overhears the conversation and she offers help and he sort of doesn't want it, but then... Goes with, as you said, the journalist. Yeah. Journalist-y thingies. I'll be a journalist. That sort of makes sense. Yeah, Lay- Layla? Layla? Yeah, I think so. All right. Or Layla? Or... Yeah, Layla. Layla. Yeah, so, so Layla's sister, in fact, runs the motel there. Yeah, they she does. They go and And her sister's sort of sitting there puffing on a cigarette in a little holder and really faintly, because I was wearing headphones listening to this, but you can hear there's a little bit of music in the background and it was it was so well done. I don't, I, I don't know if they intended that this way, but the um, uh, the backgroundedness of it or the positioning in the speakers, which I actually took my headphones off to, to hear if someone in my house was playing some sort of music because mm. it sounded like it was so removed yeah. that I had to check. So I thought that was pretty I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know how intentional that was, but it certainly was the effect that occurred. And she, this hotel manager, the sister. Sister. Sister of, yeah, the <clears throat> cousin. <laughs> sister of the niece. Well, this was confusing because <laughs> she, the, Layla was the niece of the old guy. Who was the, the friend? Who handed, handed the letter to. Yeah. And his father referred to him as my brother, but it was unclear whether that was literal. Literal or Or simply friend. just saying, hey, good friend, yeah. hey, my brother. Yeah, bro. Because if it was really a brother, then the niece would... They would be cousins. Either be cousins or his sister. <laughs> no, cousins. Have to. Only because they didn't say that my sister. But it's the same relationship. And then, but but they, yeah. they wouldn't really be related because at some point she <laughs> we says... We didn't my, get Ancestry.com... My grandfather's... Access um, here. This was, this was my grandfather's, which if they were cousins, then they would have had the same grandfather. Yeah, okay. All right. So I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that wasn't real. Anyway, no. Uh, yes, they're in the hotel having a discussion. Yeah. Um, and we go from... I just wanted to know, she was really good, the hotel manager. So I'm not, I'm not sure what her name was. Do you know what her name was? Was it Thuraya? Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought she was really good. I thought she was a really good actress. Or actor, I should say, sorry. Um, I just thought... 
I thought she really nailed it. She had the steely eyes and be, it felt like she was hiding something a little bit, you know, and, it, yeah, and she wasn't cautious of her, very cautious of everything, but she was willing to help them. And yeah, I just liked it. It felt like there was substance going on with her. So I, I really enjoyed her performance actually. And she repeated that throughout the film. Um, we cut to the mayor and he wants to, he wants to do this thing about reshuffling the government positions. So this poor fellow inside his brain, I mean, like, I mean, the poor bugger, he, need, he does need some help, doesn't he? He's thinking about the government too much. Yeah, I mean, it's not very interesting to just think about government shuffling positions. No. It's one of the driest subjects you're going to come across. Yeah, I think so. That part of the brain probably should be. But anyway, he, he wants to go find his father's house. And she takes him to the, the street of this ancient city and they're kind of looking. And suspiciously, she doesn't, she doesn't seem to know where they're going. And he's a bit, he's yeah, a bit confused. Gets, gets and I was a bit confused about that. As where well. she stops and looks and goes, there's no street signs. They yeah. literally found the place where the streets have no name. Yeah. Uh, I always wonder where that was. Here it is. It's in the Middle East somewhere. It's in this movie. Okay. Or in this guy's brain. <laughs> um, and he, he does a bit of a sneaky trick, which is marking the wall. So I liked that. Um, and they're trying to go deeper down the rabbit hole of this ancient city. Excuse me. Um, but they're not really yeah, succeeding. And this was the more typical Middle Eastern scene that you're used to seeing. Yeah. It's like bullet holes and crumbled buildings. Crumbled walls and everything's really tiny and crammed. And it's, it's and all. It's, it's just sand and limestone and, and <laughs> no greenery anywhere. Um, so I suppose when you think about it symbolically, we're, we're deep in the bowels of his brain, aren't we? You know, the, the real dusty part of his brain. The old city. The old city. Mm. Um, and so the government, they want to find the father's house too and they want to de- they, they, they deny him access. So um, we have this scene that I joked about before that I sort of experienced in Africa as well myself um, doing a film project there a few years ago. But it's like you speak to government officials in some of these countries um, and you know, you're top, like in here, he's like, come back in a month. The manager's not here. I'm not happy about that. I want to speak to the manager. No, you know, no one is above me. Yeah. <laughs> and generally in the real world, it means you have to bribe them. You know, you have to give them some money and then, then they bring out the manager. Um, so it's kind of quite, quite different to our kind of government system here. And here you just got to wait a month. Yeah, well, here it's the case. You <laughs> fill in the form. If you fill the form in exactly correct. Yeah. And then you hand it back to the, the right person. Mm. And the right person isn't like a special position. It's no. like there's, there'll be 10 people who will work the desk. That as same it were. desk, yeah. But if you get the right person, they'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, I can help you. Oh, you did that a little bit. That's fine. Yeah. Here you go. Bing. Yeah. And then five minutes you're out and you go, Dude, that was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Yes. You get the wrong person, they still look at it and go, no. Uh, I don't know about this form. Where yeah. this form Where go? did you get this form? Hang on, hang on. And they walk yeah. off and they come back and says, you didn't put your middle name here. Yeah. What's your middle name? Yeah. I know you're going to have to start a new form. You can't because yeah. this gets read by a computer and then you're like backing around in circles yeah. and you're, you're signed. Oh, you're signed a little bit outside this box. It has to be inside. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's like to apply for something. Yeah. You know, so you have that document that the government gives you and you fill all that out, but then you need all this other documentation to prove it. My wife and I went through this once many years ago. It's like, and we, we did exactly what they said uh, and then, a month probably did go by and we get the letter in the mail, you've been denied. <laughs> and that's all it is, right? So get on the phone, two hours on the phone, waiting to get to speak to someone, speak to someone. Oh, the form that you filled out was the wrong form. 
But we got mailed that form when I rang you the first time. Oh, well, yeah, you got sent the wrong form. Yeah, I will send you... You got the wrong person I will mail time. you the wrong right form right now. Okay. You sure you're going to do that? Yeah. How else can I get the form? You can go down to the government agency, but, you know, you can be waiting there for a whole day. Okay, yes. well, mail it to me. Mail it to me. This guy mails it to us and I get the form. I look at it. I'm like, this is the wrong form. <laughs> so I actually had to still go down to the government uh, agency. It's just like, oh... And that happened a few years ago. And yeah, you, and you, it, the system's sort of designed so that you walk away. I don't mind this idea of bribery. I wouldn't mind going into our government agency and just slipping. Slip 100 crosses. Get you further down the field. But anyway, we don't have it. But I love this sort of attitude that he has. And he's not happy about it. Um, and when they leave, the government worker does call someone higher up. And is, it, is that you, said? No, no, that's the mayor. He the mayor. He mayor. calls the mayor. Sorry, he calls the mayor. Says, yeah, he's got a document. Mm, yes, he's got this got this bit of paper. The document. I assume it's supposed to be like a title deed or something? Yeah. It was unclear. It was just referred to as the document. The document. Um, and so him and his cousin, uh, Layla, argue over her not knowing the way and I think he he stormed off. Well, well he says, oh, I've got to get a coffee. And she says, yeah, there's a cafe just down there. Which, and again, it, is suspicious because, like, you know exactly where a cafe is yeah. from here. But, yeah, okay, so... He, he then investigates on his own and he gets... Now, this, I reckon, is one of the coolest things. I think they did this really well in this movie is when he got these weird-ass memories, it was a real shuddering, copying, filtering effect of mm. him as a person. So it's like he's there on screen and he kind of like... You know, it's like it's almost he's being split by his atoms, you know, across the yeah, screen. Yeah, this uh, weird sort of... Mirroring and, and like yeah. almost a watery effect around. Yeah, I I really dug it. I reckon and it was amazing. The the actor himself, I think he did quite good yeah. job. Those parts where he had to act agitated mm. or confused, he did that really well. Yes, like there was which is pretty one, much the whole movie. Yes, but <laughs> like the said, whole movie. I can't remember which scene it was. Now there was there was this one scene there in particular where he's. Uh, I think it, it, it might have been in the one of the scenes where he's in the hotel. Yeah. And, yeah, he's he's really struggling with his memories and he's, he's agitated. And I, I was just watching the actor and I was thinking, it's, it's a really good job. Yeah. And every time he went to these other memories, again, he'd sort of wobble on his feet and his head would wave and he'd stagger about and his facial expression and things. Yeah, very good. Like, this could be his niche. Yeah. Confused actors because you get actors they do they get some some actors get the um the niche of being the crying person yeah you know they're really good at getting a good emotional not pathetic cry yeah yeah and some people are shouty yeah and some people are um determined yeah like Bruce Willis he does that 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 tight lipped sort of squinty eyed determined look uh, and and that's he does it, it comedy drama. Romance, everything. He always does that same look. Yes, because that's he does look. it. He does it well. He does. So you're right. Um, so maybe that's his his niche. He this is just, his niche. He should put on actors you know, one of on his little actor sheet. Good at looking confused. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he gets this weird ass memory, which is not much. It's a shudder and it's a flicker and whatever in one of the rooms, and then he, this weird woman kind of appears um and she's i mean i kind of put it down as a mystic and i can see on imdb they're saying gypsy um is the name of her character 
And so it's it's but that's what she said. She seemed like this kind of kook, oop, she seemed like this kooky. Uh, yeah, she had like the, the crazy bracelets sort of, and jangly yeah. bits and a flowing red. And she was doing a bit like of a weird ass dance and stuff, wasn't? It? Yeah, yeah. Um, and she shows him a shape, doesn't she? She says, "There's, there's a second shape." Because he, yeah. when he went confused, he said, "Looked at a wall and there's like this circular mandala-y type pattern." Yes, yeah. And then she says, "There's a second shape," and he says, "What is it?" And and she does like I think it's maybe McDonald's something, <laughs> but now I'm thinking about it, it's actually the heart. Yeah, she drew a little heart in the air. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was but, heart. but I, I thought it was two arches or something because when he he were you hungry at this time? Well, no, because he <laughs> walks out and he sees some arches across the way with a gap in the middle, and he, and he yeah, goes in the agent city. There's a McDonald's, and that's he goes the through there, <laughs> and that was the drive-through. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere, so they're probably inside. He's the first customer they've had in about 50 years, but that's like... Oh, you're back. <laughs> what do you mean I'm back? I've never been... Oh, I'm not going to give away the ending. Um, so then, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, he he kind of chases her voice. I, I made a note of that. So she would like whispering that. And she, she seemed to disappear, didn't yeah, she? Like she kind of appeared and disappeared and that sort of stuff. Um, so then he finds himself... Uh, in this, it's, it's kind of like a tunnel thing, and there's government officials. Yeah, they come. And they black. come. Yeah, they come. One come. Oh, I really liked that shot. It had a really long tunnel, um, and one guy comes up behind him, and one comes up in front. And they say, you "Have to leave this area immediately. You're not allowed here." And um, and he does. So then he's back at the hotel, um, and he tells her everything that happened about this woman, and they kind of have a discussion about that. And she thinks they should go find this woman again. So yes, that's she, what they do. He, he's convinced that she knows more. Yes. Um, and this bit, I, I, I must say, I got a little bit confused because all of a sudden they went looking for her and they find, they do find her and suddenly he confronts her with a knife. He's like, yeah, he so kind of wants to stab her. That's sort of one of those... Um, that was a surprise. A couple of scenes in this which kind of jump almost like... Yeah. Going, why, what, where'd you get a knife from? Yeah, like... Why is he confronting this woman with a knife and... It does actually tie in a bit with the end there. Yeah, I think so. With the fact so, that he stabs yeah. that dude because it's that same knife he's got yes. that he's threatening her with, and we find out that she's the heart. Yeah. So, like, there's some maybe some sort of t- tie in there that uh, when he killed that guy, he stabbed his own heart because his dad. Anyway, it's. I'm I'm going to assume that that's what it is, but yeah, she leads him on though. She does anyway. Totally unafraid of this knife. Yeah. But kind of respecting it, yeah, uh, and takes him along down another tunnel, and uh, she, says, she says over there, and, and he he turns around to uh, have a look, have yeah. a look, and she kind of she disappears. She vanishes again, but and then this picture, yeah, in he, the wall kind of comes alive, sort of so to speak. Yeah, he gets yeah. another one of these sort of circular marks, but different yeah. pattern this time. Yes. And, um, and then he is back, like he's back in reality again. Um, and she tells him, you are ready. Yes. The mystic woman. Um, and yeah, then men appear and confront them and they take them to Mr. Safe. Yep. Uh, and he tells them that he owns this old ancient city. He's the owner. Yeah. And he and- tells them about the family, that his family used to own all of this. Property yeah. um, back in the old day, or whatever, way back. 
uh, and it was sort of slowly removed, and then now he spent a long time kind of bringing it back underneath his power. Yeah, and, and the main character. What do we have a name for the main character? No, there's no main. There's no name. No name. Well, that's no, good no. then, because it's not me just forgetting. No, which is <laughs> common. And so, but he is like I heard, I've heard that before. And the fellow, he he's this is where he talks about, you know, yes, people want to you know bring back the old way, the old city, and they say there's a lot of history there, but a lot of memories there. They have a lot of memories of the old city, but I'm building new memories, <laughs> and you know, I yeah. guess that's true. But that's my argument as well. I mean, how many historical sites do you really need? It's a good moment because Saif basically he says to him. <laughs> Take your document you have and drink it. Yes. I really like that line. That, that and, was I, that probably is one of those translation things. Is yeah, like, what a peculiar thing to say. No, but I think I think it's right. It was basically like take it and shove it up your ass. Like it's like it's worthless. Like I, I think there is a bit of a language difference. That must be there, a thing to say to but, take the document and drink it. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, it's either a cultural language. And it, look, anyone out there that speaks Arabic. Um, yeah, a few of my past students spoke Arabic. I could probably run it past them, but it's like the I, I felt that was a very powerful line. It, it worked. In fact, this is well. one of those cases, or it could incidentally be one of those cases, but when you're doing writing of any sort, people talk about avoiding cliches. And yeah. one good way of avoiding cliches is to take a common phrase but end it differently. Yeah. So if it's like, take this document, shove it up your arm. Yeah, that's the traditional way. Yeah, then you... You're expecting it to take this document and drink it. Yeah. It shocks you yeah. because it, it doesn't fit your pattern. It, it gives you that little mental kick which makes you remember it yeah. better. And so, I don't know, intentionally or not, mm. it works in that same way that you're expecting the usual bad guy talk yes. of what you should do with it and you get a slightly different version and it's nice. And basically he's saying to him, leave don't come back or your life depends upon it. Like he's literally threatening, which is a good beat of the story because it's like, you know, we're at this point in time, we're thinking he's looking for his father's place. He's looking for all these answers. You know, his life is a bit, like these memories are happening. Things are going a bit skewy. If we don't know the, you know, we don't know the ultimate truth of the story yet. So it's like he's in this forbidden city that this guy owns and he's like saying, stop this investigating or, you know, I'll come down on you really hard. So... Um, I'll come down on you like a ton of elephants. Yes. Uh, just, like a ton I'm just of taking, feathers. Just taking up your advice there of spicing up the uh, the expressions. So then back in the market, they look for a particular place. I wasn't actually too sure what they were looking for here. Um, there's this really old man in the yeah, street. I, I'm guessing it's his dad's address. He asked the yeah. market stall holder, the, the carpet right, yeah. dude, who just kind of looks and walks away and leaves him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And then there's a, a guy sketching. Yeah. An old dude. And he gets harassed by this real threatening guy, Yusuf, which we don't 100% know, but this guy kind of appears and he's a bit of a nasty bastard. He, he kind of reminded me of like a nightclub bouncer. He did. He did. You know, he's yeah. tall and kind of had the his, his hair back and he's looking kind of like a night out on the town, but in but he's wearing like the black jacket, which looks a bit more... Formal or something like yeah. as security. It's is as an odd look, but it, it gave me that same feeling of like a, a bouncer. He had the yeah. same attitude. Yeah, it if felt like he's the bouncer of the town, right? Like it yeah, kind of felt like he's, he's this is his neighbourhood. 
Yeah, and it's um, he turns up and basically starts harassing the the dude, the sketching guy. Yeah, here. We, oh, for you're no playing deaf. You've... And then he's like threatening him. And then um, Layla says, "You know, hey, Yusuf, give it a break." And Yusuf is like still getting up, men all tough. And then the old guy, not the old sketching guy, another old gentleman, watch repairer, mm. leans out the window and says, "Hey, Yusuf, you know." What are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is not like you. And Yusuf looks a sort bit abashed by this. Like goes, oh, okay. Hands the charcoal back. You know, like it would have been easy for him to chuck it on the ground and discuss and walk off. But he hands it back and sort of walks off, a little bit put in his place. Yep. Um, so they go in and see this uh, watch repairer into his shop, and uh, he. Um, Warns him of a brave, a brave man looking for his old home. It's a brave man who farts in Tijuana. <laughs> he, yeah, he, let that sink in. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, and he, you know, he's he's basically again. It's like this at this point in the story. There's lots of warnings, isn't there? It's like leave this city or I'll kill you. You know, like that's uh, safe. Then it's like Yusuf rocks up. He's like the schoolyard bully. You know, like if you continue, I'm going to push you around. Um, and then here it's like the watch shop owner is telling him um, the, the city lost its mind many years ago is his line actually. And he says, yeah. and he's like basically warning him, you know, if you go looking in here, you may. You may disappear. He said, yeah, some, uh, a young man came in here. A young, that's what I was just saying before when you, you did your joke. Is yeah. He says that he warns him that once a young, brave man came looking for his old home, he came and then just vanished. Yes, and be sure you don't disappear too. Yeah. Oh, spooky. Very spooky. And didn't that, I love the look of that uh, watchmaker dude. He was great. He, he was really great. real characterful face and features and yeah. the way he spoke. That's That could be his niche. Is the, the, totally. The older gentleman providing dire warning. It's just, <laughs> I, I, yeah. liked, I liked it there. And I actually like even better, his second scene mm. that he has. That's one of I think. Don't I'm spoil gonna, it. Don't I'm gonna spoil put it, it as my favourite scene. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you why later. So then, back at the hotel, the sister warns them not to continue. You know, she 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 gives them a stern warning. But when Layla goes away, she tells him where he can get help. So a little bit of you know. Yes, but don't take Layla. Yes. So looking out for her sister or her cousin or. Whatever we tried to work out before. Um, and then we have this scene with the mayor that Yusuf asked Yusuf to let him search for his father's possessions. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of like a bit of puppetry going on behind the scenes, a little bit of, you know. Yeah, because Yusuf, I think, was, was also seen to be working a bit with Saeed. Well, it seemed like, it, it seemed odd to me that it's like, oh, so he's the head cop or something, mm. detective. But then he's like this bully. So what the hell's going on there? You know, is yeah, that you know, it's a bit of a bit he's of, the mayor's bully. He's also Saif's bully. It's yeah, just, it's a bully. Something's going on. Um, yeah. So he, he brings back the watch to the watch guy. Um, so is this the scene that you're thinking of? No, no. It's okay. Maybe it's it's. Uh, this was a pretty good scene though, too. Yeah. Um, and he's not interested uh, knowing the people involved. But what he wants is the truth, and he's willing to pay uh, to get the truth. 
And the watch shop guy is, you know, hesitant. He's, he's not keen on this, but then he is willing to hope. And I did like this. I liked what happens here. So they take buy- us to this. Well, he handed in the watch and said, would you buy this? Yeah. He says, no, this is priceless. Yeah. So no. Um, and this is kind of really nice and mystic, this next scene. I, I liked yeah. it because it's like this really old man is sort of sitting at this table in candlelight. This is, this is the one I liked. This and, scene is, is beautiful. Yeah, and then like the watch guy comes and then it's like the main character is just kind of watching them as well. He's not there. Yeah, the, the, the really old guy's like sketching. Yeah. Drawing like a map clearly of some sort with his charcoal and then it cuts over and, and we see... Um, yeah, the, the hero watching, confused, and the watchman sort of watchmaker comes in and says, uh, "Yes, explains to him that it is is you've got to you got to there's used to be a lot of ways in, but there's only one way in." And he goes, "You know, and what's this?" And he said, "Well, this is your way in, and that is a labyrinth." Yeah, it's the labyrinth. It's the labyrinth that was created. Uh, a long time ago or something, but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, there are high wa- walls around everywhere. and Yeah, and he warns him, he goes, once you go down there, there's no way back. Yes. <laughs> Bit dire, really? Yeah. That's what I mean, like, there'd been, there's been, there's a huge portion of this film that's like, really just like warning, 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 you know, like, yeah. don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. These are all the reasons why you shouldn't go there. Um, but, so- yeah, this scene though, this is one of those scenes where uh, I think the director and his cinematographer, they did really well. The lighting yeah. in this, it looked like an artwork. You it see did. that old guy sketching yeah. and like, you know, he's got his hair out yeah. and all things, he's all creased up face. If you took a, a, a freeze frame there, it would look like, you know, a, a portrait entered in a competition. You know, yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful The shot. colors were, were lovely, this sort of green jacket the watchmaker was wearing the other guys had like a, i think it was a sort of a, a blue colored thing and yeah and and the candles were providing this soft golden light and as i was just looking at it going this this lighting scene and i was noticing in a, a number of other scenes throughout here there's a few of them there where it just gets the lighting and the the camera position just beautiful the where, light i think the lighting was the best kind of um camera code of this whole you know mm. film like the lighting was incredibly done throughout like at all all scenes the lighting is really good like even early when it's when he meets that far the friend of the father you know and tells the letter in that scene that is so well lit yeah and so well like you say the cinematography composed as in we have a character in a chair and everything behind it is nicely soft focused and it's all kind of relating to the character. And then even when she brings the tea in, we're sort of like they're nicely shot, nicely composed. Because um, there, there were a couple of know. in-between scenes where actors looked a bit awkward. Yeah. Like they sort of were just standing there facing each other, not sure what to do. And it did give an impression. I can't remember what movie it was I was watching that scene. They the same... Same sort of feeling. Some of these um, alternative movies where they stand there and someone says, so you have to turn left at the street. Maybe it's like Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. You know, where everyone is just that this wooden... It's really, it's yeah. Like, you go down there and you turn left. Oh, I go down there and I turn left. <laughs> yes. You go down there and turn left. Don't and turn right. I will go down there and I will turn left. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's sort of a conversation yeah. which 
you know, like sort of a little bit jarring. But then you get these gorgeous scenes where light is streaming. And there's there's yeah. a bit where he's pushing a hatch up, and the camera's down below at the bottom of the stairs, looking up. And this, as he starts pushing the hatch up, this beam of light shines through yeah. the dust particles, and it's just gorgeous, this high yeah. definition, um, magical scene. And then, because he bursts out of there, out into that stark white lighting of the old ruined city, uh, it's great. But yeah, so out of out of this, he gets his map. He does get the map, and um, it pretty much like you know, so he grabs the map and goes, and then he's walking through like a construction zone. Yeah, there's big trucks, there's big, there's diggers, yeah, and stuff diggers going and down, loaders, and all that sort of and stuff. And you can see the gap in the wall, which um, must presumably be the one way he can get in. Yes. Yeah. But very quickly, he's arrested. Yeah, there's guards there. And they yeah. tell him, what are you doing? Turn around, get yeah. out of here. And they arrest him. Um, Layla gets away. So she escapes. Then he escapes. Um, and there's a good old-fashioned kind of chase scene, isn't there, through the sort of construction site. Oh, yeah. Well, he does his little, little trick to get in where he, some other dude turns up with a backpack and a hood yeah. up and distracts him. But it, yeah, and so he Yusuf is not tricked. Um, so they do escape, um, and then then we cut to, and he's like he's escaped, and he's in him and Layla are kind of hiding from the guards or whatever, aren't they? Yeah, They're in the sort of building, um, and then we cut to Yusuf, and in fact he is working with Saif. So and this he, is where it's like, oh, in this okay, case, yeah, so, he's, he's like saying, yeah, so he's so a real bad go. guy, um, and he's telling him that. Take them to the right place. That's yeah. safe. Like, and so it sounds like, like it's yeah, like, let oh, them, let them kind let of them run through the rabbit run the right and spots, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll just get to the right spot and they'll yeah. be fine. Um, that, so back to our main guy, he's looking at the map. Um, he tells her that Layla, she should go back. You know, yes. like, don't keep coming down this path with me. Um, the guards are looking for them and all of a sudden there's a guard that's like right there. He sees broken glass and so he kind of comes in, uh, but then he kind of, take, you know, takes off. So they sort of run down this line and it's kind of like he sees the guards. So they're kind of heading down a particular path and the, 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 what's she, the gypsy, the magic woman, the mystical woman suddenly turns up. Yeah. It seemed a bit suspicious. Says, suddenly, go down this way. Yeah, go down this way. And he's arguing. And we see it from Layla's point of view, and she can't see who he's arguing. Yes. So he's like, he's a bit nuts, though. That's yes. okay. Um, so he's just arguing to no one. That's what it looks like. Um, and they, so they, then they all get caught, and Saif confronts them uh, and tells them what to do. Um, but, but, oh, yeah, and he beats him up. That's right. He beats uh, him up, gives a him a good, good old punch up. Um, and then he threatens them. And then I, I did find this a little bit weird. Yeah. He threatens them and then he just explodes some yeah, diggers. He, he he pulls out the the button and he presses it and blows the diggers up. Yeah. Yeah, because then... Because he's trying to say a message. He's like, ooh, yeah, you he, keep going. But you'll notice it, it was wrapped up and then they made him touch the button. Yeah. So they, they're going to frame. So, and they said Yusuf is trying to pick up the package because uh, we know that he's the police officer. So they've got like demolitions and he says, yeah, the, the story is going to be that, you know, you, you blew these things up and we've got your fingerprints on it. So, you know, you're kind of screwed. Yes, you are. I just found it a bit random, but I was kind of, I took it as him sort of saying, well, yeah, now you're, now you're yeah, screwed. It, but it just felt like such a weird thing. It was sort of all out of the blue, wasn't yeah. it? Kind of, well, okay. Because <laughs> that what, massive big Do explosion. they just do that regularly? Yeah. Like blow stuff up? Like, I don't know. 
Um, Seems and unlikely. Then, you wouldn't be able to do much construction work if you get blown up. There. No, if they're just blown up. But anyway, it, it, it made sense, as you said, they're framing him, so they're raising yeah. the stakes, you know, that he's now in trouble with the law. <clears throat> um, and is it Yusuf that stabs him? No, I don't. It's a henchman, isn't it, I think? Like, yeah, it's another it guy, yeah. Some other dude. So as they're kind of getting ready, Saif and that, ready to leave, he, like, just stabs him. Um, and this is where he says that line that you said earlier, oh, that yeah. he says that he's destroying memories and building a new home. Yeah, because he says it a couple of times in yeah. different ways, and that's... Yeah, so I think he says it differently here, but yeah. that's why I took note of that. I thought it was a good line. And this is where they, they go, yeah, leave them, yeah, shut the hatch. And shut they the hatch, go yeah. Out. And then, of course, well, they, they escape from the hatch. They escape. And we get that beautiful shot up, do. The, up the staircase, pushing this hatch open. Yeah. And, it, yeah, out they go. But him and uh, Layla have a bit of a fight, and he leaves um, on his own. Um, he walks, and he, as he's walking, he suddenly has a memory uh, like, you know, one of those shuddering memories again and passes out um, there and it's sort of like he's, yeah, he's like leant against a wall or something. He's kind of having a little bit of a seizure almost this time. Yeah, and well, he, he stumbles around and there's like these voices yeah. telling him, you should, I told you not to come here, you shouldn't yeah. have done it. Yeah. And it's all weird lighting and he finds a little hole in the wall Yeah, and he grabs like a little something. Yeah. And I thought he'd found the ring. Yes. Which I thought that's strange, just sitting in the wall like that. And he shoves that into his pocket and he collapses. And yeah. just as some of the bad guys find him. Yeah, Yusuf finds him. Um, and puts him back in the back in the hatch, I think, doesn't he? Uh, or uh, into a prison. Into a prison room of some sort. Yeah, another prison room. Um, so, yeah, he wakes up in this other prison. Uh, until wa- that's right, there's voices saying, wake up, wake up. And so that's what he wakes up to. Um, he's, and, in a, he's in a blank room uh, and he bangs on the wall and he notices that one is hollow and one is solid. Yeah. And he goes along and he opens like a little hidden panel and there's this ring and it's each of the shapes that he saw and was led to with the um, strange woman. And he, he lines them up like it's a little puzzle. And I thought this is an interesting Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? And he's sort of lining up the memories of how it, should be. Yeah. I think it's the final middle piece and he pops it in, the door clicks open. Yeah. And he goes into a study. And in that study, uh, and I, I like this, all the books in this are all blacked out. Yeah. So there's all these bookshelves everywhere and every book is just black cover, matte black cover. And at first I thought, oh, okay, they just didn't want to show any book titles. But I have a feeling it's actually more no, in keeping more, with yeah. the whole theme that is they're they're black books. They're not. They're not real. Really. They're not real. Who knows what's in them? Type of thing. But there's a a, a count a um box on the on the uh, shelf. He opens, pulls out. That's clearly the ring because it's yeah. a ring. Yeah. A little black square set in it, which matches the little black books. And he mm. pops it on his pinky finger for some reason. And, he, and he can. See. It's like he can see. Like you're saying, the room with the the books. He can see through. The wall of it, isn't it? It's like a bit yeah, translucent or something. Yeah, is... Mr. Safe, who had been all Mr. Powerful up until moments ago, yeah. is tied up in a chair. Yeah. And Yusuf and the mayor... Mayor, yeah. And the mayor is talking to him, and we, we get to see what's going on in this, where we discover the mayor has all these photos of Safe setting the explosives and bombing it. So it's been a 
turn, you know, a, a double agent, Yusuf has been a double yeah. agent here <laughs> and has thought that, uh, and Mr. Safe thought Yusuf was setting up our protagonist. Yeah. When in reality it was framing Safe for this explosion. And then they say, well, we've got the original photo of that black envelope. We've got the original copy of the black envelope. Still not really saying what it is. I have no idea what it is. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's a picture of his dad or something. Yeah. Something that would trigger his true memories. Yeah. And they they finish their gloating about how... They all double cross. It's all going to be, you know, beer and Skittles for the <laughs> mayor and, and, I don't know, razor blades and lemonade for... <laughs> for safe. safe. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And grumpy, he, he, using the ring, grumpy he protagonist, kind of, he, he clenches his hand. Yeah. And then Save starts choking or yeah, struggling in struggling, pain. Yeah. And he does this a couple of times. He gets a feel for it, and then he just uh, rings the life Gives out. Save a bit of a one-two. Yeah, he dies, and then the mayor goes and checks him. And goes, oh, okay, well, chuck him outside. Yeah. <laughs> I I figured, oh, he mustn't be dead. I guess. Yeah. And also at this stage, I was thinking. This movie's taken a remarkably magical turn here. Yeah, this yeah. Ring of power that lets him. Well, we were told about this. Crash, stuff. yeah. Like so, I was mighty confused at this point. Going, where is this film going with this? And N enters Layla, and but now she's different. Yeah. yeah. Now she's the Black Widow. Yeah, she's. Well, has explained she's... that she is a journalist now. And hands her the, the documents is now you can finish your complete story of Mrs. Saif with full permission. Yeah. Which earlier she had been going on about how the, she was a journalist and she could do what she wanted, but clearly not. Clearly not, no, no. Um, so, yeah, she's she sort of double-crossed him. Yeah, had sort of, sort of been using him to get yeah. the story of Mrs. Saif, which well, is right. more dramatic now that he was, you know, fallen from grace. And, that's right. So um, and the mayor wants the ring not to be not to be good with it, of course. He wants it to take over the power. minds of the Yeah, so he could he could do what's in their best interest, they don't even realise what's in their best interest. Yep. And this of course suddenly I was thinking of what this mayor is not the mayor, obviously. Yeah. And there's like a real confrontation between these two, and I'm thinking, is he supposed to like the devil? Yeah. Or you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, like I was is really... he some sort of mystical character or something. Yeah, because like suddenly that. he knows about the ring, and yeah, and he's when he was the mayor. Normally, he was kind of a little bit. Um, he wasn't that forceful. No, yeah. Whereas he now he's a bit meek, but now he was really full on. And then he just starts whacking him with his yep. stick and yep. punching him and knocks him to the ground. Uh, and then another, and you find out the mayor is the voice that's been hearing in his head, been yes. taunting him. And then another voice comes in and says, you know, listen to your heartbeat, slow down, and uh, and he does. He, when he overpowers the mayor, he, there's like mo- some moments, he sees some moments, doesn't he, some mm. memories, which, he ca- which are from the film, but, but we didn't see them. At the, those, they're little different scenes, you know, like they're little moments that happened. And I think, I don't know what you thought, but I, I was like, they're the moments that he had the memories. Do you know what I mean? Like, so in the yeah, sto- in the narrative we saw when he had the memories, you know, like for example, going from in his car the forest to the desert, 
it's like, but he still was in his car in the forest. That's when that moment happened. And so he's now showing some of those moments and he's like a bit of an angry man, isn't he? He's like yelling at people and yeah. telling people off. It's, and, I, I was getting a, uh, a real fight club vibe. Yeah. That like these, some of these uh, angry people that were yelling at him was actually him yelling. Yeah, like that's that's exactly right. I yeah. I thought the same thing. It was, it was it was confusing because it was it was confusing. similar scenes to what we'd seen, but yeah. he was Different. often the one shouting, shouting or being yeah. forceful. Yeah, or there's a couple where he was being set upon, but yeah, it's, I, so, I was at that point. I was really going, yeah, is this like a fight club thing? Yeah. And it kind of is a fight club thing, yeah. but then it was something else. I'm going, is this? Yeah, like I is he. Oh, and he talks to the mystic woman then. Yeah, well, that's what happens. She appears. And she says, they're all you, yeah. aspects of you. Yeah. And then finally he, he looks at her because she's very different looking. Yeah. He says, well, what about you? And I was expecting her to say, I'm your therapist. <laughs> but she doesn't. And we're doing well. She says, I'm your heart. Yeah. Which, Which is like, really oh, nice. Yeah. 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 So that's nice. So it's like all those characters, Yusuf and Saif and the mayor, they're all just him, versions of him. Yeah, stuff that. Parts of his personality. Parts of him that, that he's expressed, but now he's confronting yeah. internally. Yeah. So then he walks in on a memory of his father. And this was, again, shot so beautifully. Yeah, the father so carving, carving in the light and it was really nostalgic looking and really deep, dark shadows. So it was another really beautiful lit moment in the film. Um, and he's carving the pattern, isn't it? It's the same pattern, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's the pattern that he, he yeah, put he, together. He put together. Um and he's like carving it, and so then they have a a bit of a a conversation, don't they? About have a nice moment, yeah, but a father son moment. Um, and then this man comes in to attack, right? Yeah, he's got he's got the scarf wrapped around his neck. He's yes. carrying a knife. Yes, and comes in. And I started to go, oh, I can see what's going on here. Yeah, but then old Grumpy Bum, that's what his new name is now. Yes. That he's <laughs> the protagonist built, picks up the knife. Yep. Uh, letter opener, maybe? Yeah. Which is the one he threatened his heart with. Yeah. And then stabs a dude. Yes. Which I thought, geez, this guy is uh, a little bit wound up, isn't he? Yeah. And his dad just goes, what the hell have you done? Yeah. Because, okay, and, and I agree. He's like, fair enough. Like, he, his dad has tracked the money down. Yeah. And his dad takes a knife off him, you know, as you would do to your son. You say, well, give me that thing. And then walks a second guy, this time with a gun, who sees the knife in Dad's hand, the dead yeah. buddy, shoots Dad. Yeah. And uh, Bucko, grumpy bum, drops back into his chair, stunned, like, oh, my God, Dad's just been shot because of me getting all grumpy and stabbing someone. Which which makes a lot of sense because that's what it's sort of saying, this traumatic moment yeah, that now, is kind of locked. It was sort of at this point here where, where so much of the film starts to come in. Yeah. And then he's sitting there just sort of he's, But it's crying. back, isn't it? The chair's back in the house. And, yeah, things start, fade, he fades out. Yeah. And then, like, uh, sheets and things. That's right. Fade in over that. And then he fades back in. Mm. And he sort of stands up and comes out and he's back in that original house in amongst the trees. That's right, yeah. And he walks out to the cars and a fellow walks up to him and says, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm sorry. And he goes, what for? He says, oh, well, I, I've been, you know, I'm painting your house. And I came in with my, 
my mask up because of the fume and you thought I was a thief. And so this is the first scene we had where we see, you know, where he had his first sort of weird memory moment and fell back into a chair. Only this time we see the extended version where the painter is like asking him, are you all right? What's, what's going on? And he goes, oh my goodness, I better go and get some help or something. So he leaves the house. And so we, we, did, we get that sort of circle around and we go, oh, okay. So, and he asks how long it's been. Yeah. And he's, I was like, Oh, this morning or something. Oh, this morning, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a few hours earlier or something. Yeah, so we, we realise that he's lived this entire fantasy. Yeah. After having been, conf- you know, I guess it's a PTSD flashback. I, yeah. I don't know what they're all about, being fortunate enough not to have mm-hmm. such a thing. But I guess that's the idea we've been given is that he's, he was confronted with something that was similar enough that yeah. it... Triggered this. It, it brought up all of his trauma and he had to live through it. Yep. Uh, and I think we get the the feeling though then that um, he's kind of made peace with a lot of things. Yeah, he's confronted the death of his father and yeah. accepted the guilt, and realised that yeah he's he's been a grumpy bum. And I I assume he he drives off and lives happily ever after. Yeah, maybe. Because I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's like it's those Yusuf and Saif and even the mayor, like if they're versions of him and the memory of the father, like if he just stabbed that attacker, that thief, um, yeah, maybe that's, that's he's got, you know, he, he's quick to attack people. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, he's quick to yell at people and but stuff he, like he that. Defeated, so, he defeated Saif and defeated the mayor. Yeah, so maybe he's going to be a bit of a changed man going forwards yeah i mean that's what that's what i like to think of this yeah but it's hard to tell maybe he'll just go seek a bit of therapy or something (laughs) so that and then yeah it drives off that beautiful big house behind him and the end roll credits roll credits of which i could not read no neither could i it's a shame so where does this go on your ladder sorry this this one here reminded me in many ways of the work of Drew Casson. That is Hungerford and uh, the uh, yeah, so Hungerford and the Darkest Days. Yeah, I'm putting it firmly in um, in that sort of territory. Yeah, so that was I'm going to put that in there. So just under Darkest Dawn, it has that same feeling like like. Drew, if you've watched The Darkest Dawn, mm. and the first one, Hungerford, but The Darkest Dawn was 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 good to watch after Hungerford because you could see that growth yep. in direction. But it had that same thing. You had some really, really good thought-out scenes and, and great little bits of action and some excellent premise and ideas. But you could see then that there was a, an awkwardness to some other scenes where there was not as much experience in these things. because. Mm-hmm. And and likewise in this one, I had a similar sort of feeling. There was a couple of scenes that were just gorgeous. Yeah. And the actors just did a, a really great job. Like if you had just seen that one scene, you would have gone, wow, this this is a really good yeah. you know, um, director and, and writer. Uh, but it was sort of hung together with a couple of awkward scenes where you sort of feel that maybe they, they could have done a couple extra takes, you know, that sort of fumbled picking things up and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So in that same area, I, uh, I reckon old... Um, uh, our, our what? <laughs> uh, Hamad. Hamad. Hamad Al Saraf. I reckon he's got some real potential coming up for him. 
if he can, you know, he's got that real strong premise. Yes. Like it, it was very um, out there. It wasn't a safe, easy job to do this story. No. Like no. this was, this was not a, a, a simple romantic drama or a trip down memory lane. This was, yeah. this was an attempt to really twist things and use a lot of symbols and imagery and yeah, as I said, there's a couple of scenes in there that where there's some real paying, pay real attention to camera positioning and lighting. And uh, so it's going in there. Number twenty, the new number twenty. So okay. it's certainly, I, I, I think, I think it's well worth um, having a look. You're like particularly if you're looking at trying to portray stories or think about stories that are a bit more complicated, and yeah, particularly if you're looking at getting some. Like uh, lighting and and film setups. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's what I think. What about you? Where where would you shove it? For me, it's going at the bottom. Um, but again, this ladder is a never growing thing, and so kind of coming in after the space between us. For me, I've got is number twenty five. So, in paradox, coming in there at number twenty six now. I felt that the story here was fantastic. I felt that the so much of the film language was awesome like you keep talking about mm. and we spoke about in that detail it's one of those ones that i feel i see this a lot in uh, many films where you just kind of think wow the lighting's great the cinematography's great the sound's great mm. um the settings are great the actors are fantastic but then just something isn't quite right with plot points and something isn't quite fulfilling me as an audience member is not quite ticking the boxes mm. um I, I maybe i also like with that opening about the memories being that i'm coming from someone that's interested in that side my expectation went boom through the roof and then it didn't quite hit that you know along the path i think he's done a great uh i i think he's got a great idea here and i think it's been really well executed it just some of those plot point moments for me i just got a bit lost as in and it had nothing to do with the language had nothing the language is fine you know the subtitles are fine um i i didn't feel there was anything like out of context but it just some of those scenes just didn't quite have enough drama in them or something you know like it just didn't quite rift rift it up or it didn't quite lift it you know like the expression like i was talking about before like what I was saying, there's quite a few scenes in a row where he kept getting warned, you know, and mm. it's like that old Alfred Hitchcock, like, turn the screwdriver, turn the screwdriver, turn the screwdriver. And that's what I mean, that they were turning the screwdriver, but it, I think it needed to ramp it up to another level. And then all of a sudden you get to that moment where, you know, oh, we're exploding the diggers and you're going to be, you know, um, you're going to be convicted for that, huh? And then it's like, and I'm going to stab you. <laughs> As all of a sudden, all the drama was in one scene, you know, like, so just for example, and I'm not saying I'm the expert here and I, and I'm, I might be totally wrong, correct me, but maybe he could have got stabbed earlier in the film or maybe the the fingerprint thing could have happened earlier when he was pulled into, you know, Saif's office or something, mm. you know, so, so suddenly the, the drama ramps up a lot quicker. Um, and- I have to admit there was a point in here where I was looking going, so what this is about? A greedy property developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what's why is everyone saying this is so terrible when all he's doing is redeveloping some home? Like, yeah, yeah. What appear to be shattered ruins. Yeah. 
And yeah, so I, I get that the, the, the it, warnings, the, the dire, dire warnings, all the rest of it. And I was like, so far, it just seems like a greedy property developer mm. story. And you make a sure good point there on. because this has been done in a couple other films like Total Recall is mm. the same premise. Like, you know, the big dictator of Mars, oh, we'll just turn off the oxygen. We, you know, we'll just take that back, that land, you know. And it's like, so you could relate it to here. It's like, we're going to take that. But it's like, where are the people? Yeah. You know, if that guy was bulldozing homes and there was people living there, yeah. suddenly that ramps up the drama as well, doesn't it? It's like it puts a time crunch on it. Like, if you don't solve this problem, I'm just going to bulldoze over these people. You yeah. know, and suddenly you're like, oh, now it's not just one guy looking for his father's memories. If he doesn't find the ring or he doesn't find his father's house, which has the answer, which will then also save these people's lives, you know, like suddenly it ramps it up, you know. But I, I did... I did think a lot got saved at the end when the, the yeah, me it was too. all explained. Um, yeah, and it was conf- the explanation was confusing, confusing, and then suddenly it became light, and I could then look back at all these other bits that I was got looking like the the blacked out books, which up until right at the very end, you kind of, I was sort of going, they couldn't afford scenery, I guess. Yeah. But in reality, you go, no, okay, this is inside his memory. He doesn't, mm. he doesn't remember what the books are yeah, on the yeah, shelves. Yeah. Like the, the, the books on the shelves were not part of his Yeah, they're not important, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see uh, if this guy got a bit more money and a bit more time and a couple more features. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he certainly seems ambitious and it would be great. But it would be great. And if he wants to come on I was just going to say, this, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm a... I'll reach out to him. I don't know what his English is like. Uh, because my, my Kuwaiti or <laughs> Arabic or... Yeah. You see, I don't even necessarily know what language they're speaking, Kuwait. I, well, Arabic, I think. Uh, yeah, I for think. sure. They, they, must, they must say, I mean, my, um, one of my friends, she's, she's part... Uh, from Saudi and part Pakistani or... Oh, God, I'm going to get... Punched in the face for saying these things. <laughs> totally getting it wrong. But she speaks like five languages. Yeah. In order to keep up with all of the the cultural groups, she has to pass through. Yep. Because yeah. Which is she keeps apologising, saying, "Oh, well, look, I'm um, I'm sorry if I say this quite a little bit wrong because English is not my first language." And when she first said that, I went, "It's not," because she speaks purely perfect English. Yeah. But then I, I started speaking to her husband, and there she is. She's talking. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. A dialect of uh, of Pakistan, which is where her husband's from. And then, yeah, she was speaking to her sister in what I'm guessing was Arabic. Guessing. And to me, it, it's, she just went from one to another transition smoothly. So maybe in Kuwait, maybe this guy speaks better English than I do. Yeah, he really so might. It wouldn't surprise me because my no. English can be a bit rusty. No, nope, that's exactly right. So... Uh, Hamad Al Sarif, if you want to get in touch and let us know what you think, get on here. Tell us correct us about what we're talking about, you know, and your intentions, and and tell us um, what your next uh, movie is going to be. Yeah. Is it going to be sci-fi? Because we'd like that. We do. We'd like to see the next one. Um, do you want to talk about a favourite scene from the movie at all? Uh, I think I mentioned that it was the the scene of the drawing the map. Yeah. What I liked about that was. It was sort of um, 
is a little bit surreal because suddenly there's this this guy sketch drawer who seemed to be a bit of a, a background. He's in this room, and the room, the lighting is it's just like this rich, dark room with golden light shining just right, illuminating faces. It was beautiful. And I loved that. It was just it was it was just perfect. And there he's sketching away, and you couldn't we, really see what he was sketching, but it was, yeah, he was we, like you we know, see the the map the, the clockmaker dude standing there as well, and he's got that that color green jacket he had on yeah. just fits so well, and it it had that real feeling of almost like a dream, but it was, it was so vivid and it was just, yeah, it was just perfectly like that, that scene would have done, like if you put that in the matrix, you know, Keanu sitting there talking to a couple of people, you have that same sort of surreal, otherworldly feeling to it. And only, only I I think the, the Wachowski's, would have liked to have that lighting and, and camera work for one of those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I reckon that was a really beautiful shot too. I'd like that. For me, it's like the best scenes I just think were the ones where he had the memory, you know, so mm. he, when he was, when they had that shadowy copying, duplicating, you know, um, kind of breaking him right down and splitting it for him to cross the memories. I just, I thought that was really cool. Like I just thought that was a really visual way of showing someone, you know, experiencing that, like having this kind of delusional moment in a way um, because he had to transport from one moment to this memory, you know, and that's what they were implying to us. And I I just, I liked that because that quite often can actually not get done in film. You know, they they just kind of do a jump cut or they just kind of, you know, they, they, they might do it once and then the next time they don't do it again. Mm. Whereas here they showed us that each time. So it was a really cool, symbolic, visual, visceral, I could feel it. Like it felt like, and as you said, he was doing that great kind of confused yeah. terror look, as you would be because it's sort of like his world was changing. I mean, like, yeah, I still, I mean, I still think that start of him driving along and just, you know, the, the jump of the, the town, uh, it's very David Lynch. You know, that kind of idea of like flicking from one personality to another and um, yeah, I, I really dig that. Like that really gets my, because I and then straight away my brain try, tries to think what's going on here, what, what's happening and it's not all just explained to you, you know, you can see yeah. it happening and so it feels much more um, like they're showing us what's going on, which I always think for film has to do that. So yeah. I love that. I reckon any of those moments where he had that memory experience, they were really cool. So if you've watched the film, and you probably should have if you've gotten to this point, otherwise you've just had it all ruined. Yeah. <laughs> let us know what you think your your favourite parts or, or what the best, you know, bit yeah, the best of bits. it was. Yeah, hashtag us in that. Let us know what you think about it. So sorry, exciting times. What sort of science do we want to discuss uh, in this sci-fi in paradox? Just a, a brief one. You know, psychology is an ology, therefore it's science, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a science. So, well, some people would argue that what? maybe it's not. Maybe it's making stuff up. Ah, well, those people. But having said that, it's not really. What? There, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of theories of, and competing ideas of the way things work, and it's hard to generalize from you know, the observation of a few people to all humans. 
Yeah, of course, of course. But, but that still that, is science, isn't it? There's some interesting studies yeah. into hallucination and delusion. Mm, yeah. And yeah, I was going to look at um, multiple science. personality. There's this whole um, so-called multi-personality disorder. There's, there's no actual multi... There's no... I don't think there's a disorder that's actually called that. It's... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but I was going to look that one up because there's, there's been a couple of famous cases, but it's it's basically so rare mm. that it's questioned as to whether that's truly what's going on or if it's some other branch. But um, delusions and hallucinations, schizophrenic delusions, mm. are very definitely real. And, there's, oh, totally. and they're the fun ones, and I use that term in quotation marks, that everyone likes to pick on in movies, where they walk into the asylum and there's the person who thinks that he's Napoleon. Yeah. There's always <laughs> someone yeah. who's... Pretends to be Napoleon. Well, I'm uh, constantly pretend, pretending to be a podcaster. I'm always pretending to be a father. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird thing. I've never seen you with children, so that is weird. <laughs> Probably best not to. They fall over a lot. <laughs> if you ever wonder why they're not going to get to university. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but anyway, it's, so it's quite interesting, and there's been a lot of studies into this because the question gets asked is, can you you know, know if you're delusional. Because this is the whole, yeah. one of the whole things about a delusion and I guess uh, mental illness in general is it it gets classified based on whether it interferes. So every day we all carry various minor delusions yeah. and we all have little minor hallucinations. Right. You know, we, we think we heard someone call our name, but maybe it was actually a bird in the yeah. distance. Similar or, sound yeah, similar sound, we just made it up, or or literally we're just really tired and we see little flashes of stars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or we have little um, superstitious actions that we kind of believe in. There's sort of little yeah. delusions. The question comes along, though, is at what point are you, a, are you actually able to determine if you're having delusions at the, to the point where they're interfering with your normal existence? Because that's where... Uh, you know, I, I did psychology actually as a major at university for a bit, and one of the things that they said is abnormal behaviour. Psychology comes in is usually drawn the line where it interferes with someone. So, yeah, if someone walks along and occasionally hears little bursts of music or um thinks someone's called their name or yeah, how much is whatever, that affecting their life? If that doesn't prevent them from being normally social, having a job, being able to live a fulfilling life, and all that sort. They're not going to be classified as um, having a what you call abnormal psychology. Yeah, it's just a quirk at that point. But we do get to the point though where people um, really cannot distinguish between their fantasy and reality to the point where they do dumb things, or hurt themselves, or hurt other people, or just can't look after themselves properly, and. Well are we able to determine when that's happening? Because when you ask them, they don't appear to. So people have tried to figure out, well, how aware are they? Are they just kind of making it up? Yeah, or well, are they truly 100% absorbed in this new reality? Yeah, I saw a recent program, um, Louis Thoreau, where it was dementia. I know dementia is a different kettle of fish to you know, what you're specifically talking about, but 
um, what the, some of those things you're saying, like with delusions, that's the thing on that. Like he, he, in that program, he had people that were quite old and had dementia for a long time, you know, and they were in very heavily cared facilities. But he also had a husband and wife only in their 50s and the wife has been diagnosed with dementia and interviewing the husband, it's like, oh, you know, she's had it for about, she'd had it for about three years at that point. She was still very much a big part of society. You know, she, she did things, they had a child together, so she was doing things with the daughter. But it was getting already to that stage after three years of being diagnosed that there was certain things like she, could, she, she couldn't use her phone anymore. She just couldn't ring a number on her anymore. And she tries to do it. Like he gets her to try to ring her, him, Louis Thoreau. And she's like, uh, and she, she kind of laughs and giggling. Uh, <laughs> uh, you do it, you do it, you do it. So, you know, like she goes to her husband, her husband's like, this is the, this is the point. You know, this, this is exactly what. But then she does all these other things perfectly fine. Yeah. But that part has dropped away and she can't dial a phone anymore, which means, of course, you know, what happens if she's home with her daughter and there's an emergency? She can't dial the police or an ambulance or something like that. Mm. Yeah, so that's what you're getting at there, aren't you? Is that yeah, the, once the get delusion to gets to a particular point that it's, you know, overtaken the, the lifestyle of a person. So the interesting study I found, which is, a little, I mean, it's a bit tragic really, but it's, it's still... There's a lot of this stuff is tragic. A bit yeah. comical <laughs> because it happens long enough ago. So in the 1960s, uh, the psychologist Milton uh, Rocky, I guess that's how you say Rocky, he did The Three Christs of Ypsilanti. Uh, so he wanted to know what would happen if you took three people who each firmly believed that they were Jesus. Jesus. And then basically <laughs> put them in a big brother house. So put them in to live together uh, and observe them. You know, you've got three people who each absolutely, and they've been diagnosed here at this point of, not just saying they're Jesus, but taking actions that you would expect a person who fully believes themselves to be Jesus would Walking take. on water, performing miracles. There was, there's concerns that they're going to try and walk on water or turning water into heal wine. the sick or, or <laughs> goodness knows what. So we chucked him in a house together and watched to see what happened. Because uh, he wondered how the three men would react when they realized there was more than one Jesus. Because as that Dire Straits song says, you know, there's two men say they're Jesus, but one of them has to be wrong. <laughs> In this case, two of them had to have been wrong. All three, probably. So rather than some dawning of reality, Rockich observed that each of the men retained their delusional identities while at the same time rationalizing the existence of the other two. One of the men, for example, thought one was a liar and the other an angel rather than Jesus himself. And there was a more recent study in 1997 they studied a group of psychiatric patients experiencing delusions and hallucinations. Now, the patients read individual case stories about people experiencing a range of pathological states of mind. They were asked how likely it was that the scenarios depicted a mental illness. So the patients who were most fixed in their own delusional beliefs were able to distinguish between descriptions of delusional and normal beliefs. However, they could not identify anything erroneous or pathological in their own thought process. It would seem, therefore, that the capacity to identify hallucinations and delusions in other people might be greater than the ability to see them in oneself. And I find those really fascinating is that it, it draws to mind there's a, another story of uh, James Kimmel, not Jimmy Kimmel, that we all know and love, 
or don't love, depending on who you are. Mm. Uh, James Kimmel, he is a neuropsychologist or a neuroscientist of some description. And he was doing a study with a whole bunch of brain scans because uh, he was studying psycho- psychosis. So Yeah, right. And so a, a, a psychosis is one that is a, is a pathological condition where you, you can't, you don't know that you have the problem. So a neurosis is, uh, say, you are compelled to scratch your knee, but a neurosis, you know that, that that's not the right thing you yeah. should be doing. Like, it feels wrong, it's wrong, you know, you can't quite help it. And the difference there is it's easier to treat a neurosis because by knowing that it's not the right thing, you can do behavioral therapy and feel things. A, a psychotic um, case, however, and this is the case with what we could call a psychopath, yeah, is their experiences seem entirely normal. Like the fact that when they see someone in pain, they go, oh, I don't care. They have no feeling about that. They don't feel that they should. They might get confused wondering why everyone else is showing sympathy. You know, why yeah. everyone else running over there to find what's wrong? Like, the guy's broken his leg. Oh, whatever. Yeah, guess. Get over it. Move on. So, this yeah. guy's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He's Jesus. Get over it. Oh, he's turned into a dad. That's what's wrong. <laughs> so, so he was studying the brain scans of people with um, psychosis and he's, he found a pattern. He found there's um, activity or lack of activity in a certain part of the brain which has to do with um, processing of emotions with events. Right. And so he's going, oh, well, that sort of makes sense because that's one of the primary indicators of someone who is psychotic. They, they can't connect the emotions with actions. Right. So, okay. you know, if, if they stab someone in the heart, it's like putting on their shoe. Yeah. And I'm generalizing there, of course, but there, there's, there's that connection. And in some cases, the connection occurs much later. Yeah. For example, they, they might days or weeks later go, oh, that was terrible. Oh, Reminds I shouldn't have done toddler. that. Reminds me yeah. of a toddler. Reminds me of a toddler. It's, like it's that. a bit like that. It's, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Whoop. Oh, oops. You know. <laughs> but in these brain scans, yeah. uh, he, he put them aside and went, that's that's really good finding. So that was one re- research paper he wrote up. And then he was looking at um, uh, dementia. And he got a whole bunch of dementia patients and then got his own like friends and family in to scan yep. uh, to compare. And he was sorting through and he found one. He went, oh, this one's been mixed in from the wrong pile. I must have mixed it in from my other research. This person's a psychopath. Right. Their brain scan is a psychopath. And he's, he's looking, he's going, well, okay, I better check. So he double checks, triple checks to find because it's all double blind. He doesn't know what these scans are. Yeah. It, it just definitely finds out that he's got a psychopath in amongst his dementia group. Right. Only problem is none of his friends or family have dementia. So they were the control group. So he says, someone, someone I know is a psychopath, right. which he thought was really interesting because this is what he studies. Yeah. So he, he finally went and got this. He canceled his, that study and got unblinded. It was his own brain scan. Mm. So he just diagnosed himself as a psychopath. And he thought, well, that's, that doesn't seem right. I mean, you know, like, yeah, I've been crappy to people sometimes, but overall, you know, I'm not violent or murderous or, you know, he, he was a respected doctor studying neuroscience and he had a wife and kids and, you know, he was not what you'd call a psychopath. 
So he, he called up his friends and family, contacted them, said, you know, I did this this thing and I found out that my, you know, a brain scan came up in our friend's family group that said psychopath. And he said, everyone immediately said, oh, that must be you. He said, everyone identified as him immediately without a, a, no question. Oh, who could that be? It's like, and he said, oh, you all knew? And I said, well, now that you say it, <laughs> now that you say that you've you've got a diagnosis, yes. And he says, yeah, okay. So uh, he's, he's thinking a few times. He's going, well. Oh, what time I had that bloody body in my yeah, <laughs> Well, this is the thing. He's going, well, I've, he, he's never been violent yeah. to anyone. He's, he's got no criminal convictions. He's, you know, so he asked and it was one. Never too his, late to start. Where his, his mother basically said, yeah, well, what about that time, for example, when my brother had died? And we're all going to the funeral. And you couldn't be bothered because you wanted to watch the football game. And he goes, yeah, it wasn't a very good game, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started to realize that, because he's, you know, that my mother, her brother had died and I didn't go to the funeral and I was more interested in a football game. I could understand that that would probably cause her grief. Yeah. It didn't cause me any grief. I didn't care at all affect me yeah and and so he says that yeah he's he's able to recognize when situations should cause an emotional response and he can understand that people do have a, an emotional response even if he doesn't and so he says he's he's basically sort of been on a course of uh therapy where he pauses before you know as often yeah. as he can and he's really mindful of his actions and how he's responding and then starts calculating all the emotional responses everyone might be having or who they... And so he tries to then do the right thing. And he's... he's yeah, and so he's he is a, a psychopath. And after a short time <laughs> of doing that, though, yeah, his, his family all appreciate it. So this is really good. He says, but you know, I'm just faking. You know, when, when you stubbed your toe and I asked, you know, are you okay? Is it, uh, you saw, do you need me to help you or anything? I was just faking that. I said, that's okay, but you were trying. The fact that you cared enough Try, to fit yeah. in that you tried and faked yeah. it, that's what we like. Not that you actually did the, the action itself. And he went, oh, okay. This is, so, it sent, it sent me down, so this is that uh, he was unaware of his psychosis, but he, he has been able to logically, probably because of his background in, yeah. in neurosciences, determine that it is true and take an action. Mm. It's a little bit different to delusion, but... Uh, as we can see, this guy at the end of the film confronts his demons and realizes when he wakes up that he was lost in himself. Yeah, and he was he was wrong. So that would be basis for thinking that he might be going on to either get treatment or to try and make amends or do something. Yeah, and as, but as you said as well, this in this in paradox, I mean has this come on board because of like that trauma a trauma with his dad you know and mm. that's what the story seems to imply so it's maybe not that he's totally affected by this the same way as someone with you know like a psychopath or whatever that is mm. built into their brain it's that he's had one of those experiences in his life that has then traumatized him and he's gone down a path yeah, of shunts, that. shunted yeah. him out of mm. reality a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just saw that local paper, the two West Australian, West Australian Mandra women that they were part of that um, 
big fire that happened in Queensland. They were young girls at the time traveling and the guy lit the backpackers hotel on, oh, on fire yeah. and he's coming up for parole and they're saying, no, it's only been 20 years. He killed 15 people um, in this fire. And, but they, they said like they've still experienced that every day of their life. And so that's, that's where I see a bit of resemblance here. It's like something that is so traumatic to you that then, yeah, your life just, your brain waves change, don't they? They're no, never the same again. Well, it's interesting. They're looking at um, LSD for yep. this because originally LSD was being looked at as a therapeutic. Mm. And then, of course, it sort of got mixed up with the, the hippie culture, as it were, or whatever. I don't really know what happened in the 60s. Yeah. I wasn't around. Just how you know I what? was there. <laughs> if you remember the 60s, you weren't really there. I don't remember it, so therefore I must have been there. Oh wow, it's too heavy. I've but, seen Forrest Gump, but it's it's coming back. It's coming back now to be used because they've, they've got a bit more study of what it does. And one of the things it does is it loosens up all the connections in your brain because one of the ways you remember things is by building stronger and stronger connections. Yeah. And one of the theories of PTSD is that you basically have this traumatic event, which causes a, a type of pain in your brain, which lingers right. and you think over it and over and over and you actually burn it in to your your, right. your your neural connections basically get locked into this trauma pattern so that you get these sudden very real um flashback feeling which yeah. uh, i guess range from just being that sort of an, an emotional feeling suddenly feeling afraid and anxious and like you're going to die without any real knowing or even down to i guess the most extreme cases some sort of hallucinatory or yeah. delusional type of activity. Well, like the film, eh? Like you're back in yeah, memory. But yeah, but they, they found that LSD uh, that you know, under various doses basically breaks down all these connections, which is why you have these wacky hallucinations and you get these weird thought processing connections and, and you see what you see. You get synth, synesthesia. Is it synesthesia, it's called, where you your hearing connects to your sight and your mm. nose, you know, your brain gets confused and so you're, you hear music, but you see a visual effect of the music. And the same thing happens, so your memories and stuff all run together. And what they're looking at doing is basically getting someone on LSD with a therapist and using it then to lead them down and reinterpret their trauma, trauma so as to break out of that um, really harsh right. pattern. So they still, you're not going to forget such a thing. No. But the point is, it just becomes a normal memory, yeah. not an enhanced yeah, memory. not this major trauma, yeah. Although yeah. personally, I found Long Island Ice Teas do the same thing. <laughs> totally forgot something. Fair enough. Don't know Don't know what it was. No, Long Island don't, I don't drink Long Island Ice Teas anymore. Right. And I don't remember why. Very interesting. Yeah, I keep and, doing that. Abby, so we, we talked a bit about the technical filming. What, yeah, what, I... What one thing, if you could pick one thing out of this to move it, take into your own filmmaking, what would it be? It would be the lighting. lighting. It would be the lighting. Yeah. I think the lighting was really damn beautiful in this movie. I think it, I've been learning a lot about this and dabbling a bit with lighting in, photog in my photography just for fun and realizing that shadows and contrast play such a significant role in really pulling stuff alive. That stuff you were saying, that, that that idea of the man drawing with the candlelight and stuff, the reason why it looked so good was the shadows, mm. you know, the shadows on his face. And when you talk about like a really old, like older people, 
you and I are older anyway, but like old, I'm like someone that, someone that's like a senior person, you know, they've got all those lovely lines down their face, you know? And so you put a candle here and you put a light above their head and you put a light behind and you take out all the light from behind. Suddenly they look like it's, it's almost extraterrestrial lighting mm. of the person's face comes alive in different ways, you know, and you can make people look sad and scary and happy and all those sort of things. But yeah, I think when I went to uni myself and did filmmaking, it was all about trying to light spaces, but it wasn't to what this film does in terms of like those scenes are just magic. Like they really pop, you know, the characters pop, um, the the way that it's, you know, giving us an impression of the setting just by putting lights here and there and not filling everything. It's it's really is a mastery of lighting. Whoever did the lighting on this film, they are extremely well, you know, experienced in that, mm. I would say. You know? It's beautiful. And then working with the director, working with the cinematographer to pull that off. So for me, I yeah, it's the lighting. I think it, I think it was just really freaking beautiful. Lovely. You just reminded me there's a, another film for if you really like, yeah, sort of beautiful lighting shots and camera placement is, it's not science fiction. It's Once Upon a Time in China. It's a Hong yeah. Kong film. And that's that's got some, just a, it's a historical piece of the uh, opium and yeah. rebellion and stuff. But, yeah, I know of that movie. I don't but it's, um, it's got a few of these, great shots that sort of come in off the ground and you see all the cobblestones like and yeah. the light glistening off them and it looks just surreal and, and there's a like a, a golden glow coming in out of a window at night time and it sort of sweeps up in and, and you just get taken away by these, yeah. these films. The, the movie itself is pretty good fun as well. There's a bit of yeah. kung fu action in there and, uh, you know, a, a decent storyline but but it, you really do notice yeah. the the camera work and the lighting in that one too. And 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 it is interesting. I said the start, like earlier for this film, like you you can't really fault, you know, the cinematography, the lighting, the um the way the shot has been put together is in the mise en scene, and as you said, the books that are all blacked out, and you know, all of those kind of things are just really well done for this. Mm. And you need you need that to be really well done for your film to get anywhere really you need you need all of those aspects playing out because it is an art form but it is interesting at times when you watch these films and you're like wow the you know the camera does stuff that you haven't never seen before or, you know like that that thing that we keep saying with the matrix how they sort of did that bullet time effect that then everyone ripped off for the next 10 years but it was like wow we haven't seen this before in a hollywood mm. film you know like so um, there's there's times that not only can things have great stories, but they also have something that's a little bit of extra movie magic. And for this film, it was, for me, the lighting. The lighting. Yeah, I think so. I agree on that one. So let us know what you thought about In Paradox and what you thought about what we thought about and spoke about tonight on In Paradox on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, website, the moon, wherever and else you space can find. Space Brains Pod and yeah. Space Brains Podcast. If you right. if you search there, you, at graviundone.net, yeah. you'll find links to this podcast and others. And others, and you'll and find our ladder. Our ladder's going up there now, so you can awesome. see us as we go along. We're up to 32 yeah. or thereabouts. Well, yeah, that's 26 non-classic movies. Yes. And then there's about six classics, isn't there? So yes. we're rolling along now, sorry. 
Go, quite we're a gonna, few episodes We're going to be bumping into that next classic soon. Next week's episode is The Platform. Oh, The Platform. It's another foreign language. I think it might be Spanish. Okay. It's about a futuristic prison. Sounds good. And food, apparently. And food. <laughs> so we shall find out what future food looks like in a future prison. Definitely. Thanks for listening and hit us up on all our socials and let us know what you think. And until next time. See ya. Bye.